Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Backing Paper. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> Good work, Rachel. Good woohooing there. Um, and listeners, I hope you're woohooing too, because Rachel's here with me this week, <laughs> which is really all that anybody ever wants. It's all that I ever want. So, I mean, I'm happy. I'm very happy. Um, we have got so much stuff to get through this Ooh. week. It's been a week of wonderful missives and all sorts of fun stuff. But before we dig into it, I want to say a few things. First off, I want to say a big thank you to Sean Hall, uh, who is at Sean Hall on Twitter, I think, and at SpandexOc on Instagram. Listeners may remember when we were chatting to um, Ethan Moses from Camera Dactyl a few weeks ago, I said that I'd never really had any experience of any 3D printed stuff. Just none's come across my uh, grubby little mitts. Anyway, Sean got in touch and said, oh, I print some stuff up. Do you want me to send you some? So he did. He very kindly sent me a box. Uh, and in it were some awesome. um, multi-film holders. Uh, oh. Very cool for 120 and 35 millimeter. Um, some film clips for hanging up my film to dry um, and some little adapters. Um, Goodness. It's really cool. And I have to say, I'm actually really quite impressed by these things. I, Uh-oh. I think, Uh-oh. well, I get yeah. sense. What Are you going to be buying a, a 3D printing machine now, Graham? Well, it's certainly tempting because the, <laughs> the, um, the, the quality, I'm looking on these film safes now, um, and the quality of it's really good. You know, if you went to a shop and, and like, oh, yeah, this is just a, I was expecting them to be rougher. Mm-hmm. course i don't know but like i said um i'm but that said i do know what i'm like with an ordinary paper printer um i very rarely use them when they go bad but um no this is really cool and i'm very grateful for sean sending it to me and yeah it's it's certainly made me think about it um <laughs> think about how much of the house i could fill with plastic doodads and stuff like that so um you may have sent me down a dark path sean but thank you very much <laughs> I, I hugely appreciate it that's awesome the do other we get th- to see them <clears throat> yeah, I'll, I'll, I will. I will take a picture. But I should have done this already. I'm going to take a picture of them and share them on Twitter, so you can see there them. Go. So go there, Rachel. See them because I should have done that a few Shall couple do. of days ago. Um, the other thing that I've had come through the post this week, uh, we, I, we need to say thank you to everybody who's donated on coffee for because this is some of the stuff, or this is the stuff that we have spent some of our coffee money on yes. so far. Hang on, that's my hands rubbing together. Yes, exciting. Ooh. It is very exciting. So. We got some stickers, uh, which I love. They've come out really well. Analyst design looks fantastic. So I'm super happy with these. We're going to take some of them up um, to the photography show to give away. And um, we're also going to find some other ways to get some out to listeners as well uh, via mail. Um, I seem to figure out how the best way of doing that. I was like, oh, yeah, we'll just send them to everybody. And then I went, oh, hang on, stamps are actually quite expensive these days yeah. but we're definitely going to send them out to as, <laughs> as many people as we can afford to send them out to frankly because um uh, but they're great and the other thing um for the photography show next week is we have now got an audio recorder which is brilliant um there's gonna be a lot of people there who we want to catch up with and now we have a way of doing it um so we whatever... actually have like an asset for yeah, the Sunny Sixteen podcast, that's incredible. We <laughs> Look do. at that! We do. It's, it's fantastic, and it's um, all thanks to you guys who've who've donated on on coffee. Um, K O hyphen F I is that right? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, 
next week's content goodness only knows what it's going to be like um either you know on backing paper there, there might not be a backing paper next week i don't know I, it's going to be chaos but i guarantee you there will be all sorts of stuff coming from the photography show next week and it will all be thanks to people who have contributed because without it we didn't have a way of recording other than our phones which would have been terrible um so thank you so much that uh with that said let's crack on into the emails and um well i think we're going to bookend uh, our emails or the first batch of emails this week with jeremy because jeremy got in touch at the very late last week uh and then just in time for this week so we've got a couple of emails from jeremy so that's nice um jeremy doing sterling work as always this week on twitter um because as hopefully all listeners will know um it was international women's day on friday and it is an absolutely vital tradition that on every International Women's Day, some bloke goes, well, when's International Man's Day? And Jeremy did that for us. So thank you, Jeremy. We appreciate you being there for us doing this important, important work. You do especially, don't you, Rach? Oh, oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> it's um, Tuesday the 19th of November this year, just yeah. so everybody knows when yeah. International uh, uh, Men's Day is. Yeah, and International Grumpy Gits Day is, I think it's most of January, isn't it? <laughs> Anyway, the lovely Jeremy writes in Sonny's G and whoever stands in for Rach and say hello to Rachel. Yeah, well, Rachel's standing in for Rach. You got the real thing here. <gasps> the gift that keeps on giving gave again. There was another anti Brexit thing in the town centre, so I popped along to take some pictures. One of the campaigners even took some photos of me photographing them, which I put on Twitter and Facebook. On the way back home, I passed the Chapel Art Gallery and saw there was an exhibition of Cheltenham Street portraits called Folk. Folk? Folk. It was by, by a photographer called Mark Steen Adamson. His technique was unremarkable but effective. Wide angle, I'd say 28mm, with an off-camera flash. I know a couple of the characters he pictured. There was a really nice young man sat at a table who was selling books and prints. I bought the book, of course, and had a nice chat with Steve. He works at the studio and was responsible for the presentation, typeface, mm. etc. He asked me about my camera. I had a Leica M2 with a Zeiss 50 1.5 sonar. Yes, Hamish's fave lens, if he's listening. He probably isn't. He told me that his set of pictures was shot on a Leica <coughs> M10. Also in the gallery, I met a chap making a template of a guitar. I wondered if it was an art piece, but no, it was an actual guitar he was making there. We talked for some time, and his passions are guitars and kites. Of course, I photographed him. He was a dude. Uh, I thought to research the photographer of the folk series, Mark Steen Adamson, who has a studio here in Cheltenham. Uh, I found him on Twitter and sent him a message. Not only, it turns out, do I know his sister and her family, I gave his nephew an adapter so he could use his OM10 in manual mode. <laughs> Cheltenham is quite a big um, town slash city not a lot bigger than this email might make it sound listeners I also had a couple of conversations with people who asked me if I could still get film for that camera the day before when I was out with the contacts 2A I am loving film photography love Jeremy God, I'm, I'm quite envious of Jeremy because he's clearly right in the zone at the moment with it uh, it sounds like he's um really really enjoying he's he's um definitely not in the photography rut at the moment he's out shooting and enjoying that which is awesome so yeah 
Um, and uh, it's always nice when there's these little bits of serendipity, you know, of uh, finding somebody who knows somebody else who you've had some other connection with in the past. That's very cool. Um, and yeah, always always lovely to um, uh, to know about that, which is which is great. Just good to be getting out and about shooting. And um, I'm just jealous of that. Really, uh, it would be nice to have a little time to go out and actually get some things shot. <laughs> Indeed. Um, do you want to take this next one, Rach, titled <laughs> Large Format Backing Paper from our good friend Mike Caputo? Oh, yes, that's right. So Mike, um, who you had your lovely date with, um, <laughs> he he's written in. Um, he says, Dear Sunny 16 Limeys, after listening to the recent backing paper, I felt it necessary to add some historical context to the 4x5 versus 5x4 debate. Because uh, we had an email, didn't we? Well, it was actually a voicemail. Message. A voice moan. It was a voice <laughs> moan from Martin Scarland. <laughs> um, well, it was just him discussing his little pet peeve over the five by four or four by five um, debate. Anyway, so Mike has responded with his email here saying large format film on the North American continent was referred to as five by four up until around 1773. <laughs> That's very very precise for a round. <laughs> um, it says the Sons of Liberty took it upon themselves to throw all the Ilford 5x4 into the Boston Harbour and refused to pay taxes on this overrated film. Huh. Okay. Um, in 1776, the most glorious declaration in history was made. Kodak was formed and 4x5 Tri-X 320 was released. This film was vastly superior to anything a monarchy could manufacture. Its emulsion of individual liberty and inalienable God-given natural rights were a direct product of enlightenment. John Locke's two treat. Uh, sorry, what's he? For? Sorry, I can't read that. Two treaties. Two on treatises, sil- yeah. On silver halides, yeah. Yeah. And Charles, oh, gee, <laughs> Montesquieu's. That fine. The spirit of sheep film were um uh were were of enormous influence upon the founders of Kodak which later named General Washington as its first CEO. (laughs) Uh, (coughs) Sorry. Um, We didn't need to call chips crisps, I guess is what he's put there, and cookies biscuits any longer. And we sure as shit weren't going to call 4x5, 5x4. The tyranny was over. You guys must have been really sore because you tried to blockade the sale of Kodak to the rest of the world and came back for another fight in 1812. Another future CEO of Kodak, Colonel Jackson, drove you down to the Gulf of Mexico at the Battle of New Orleans. There's a great Johnny Horton song about it. We won again. (laughs) Anyway, that's all in the past and we're great chums now. I even enjoy shooting 4x5 the Ilford Delta 100 on occasion, developed in D76, of course. The Yankee Big Mike. There we go. Response to that? Anything, Graham? I mean, well, <laughs> it's just, it's wonderful to have a historian listening like Mike and to get that fantastic, detailed historical background on why we in the UK apparently say five by four and in America they say four by five. The more you know, those facts are fantastic. Um, pass them on to your children. I, I am sure I saw somebody else sending in some other feedback on this and I could not find it. So if you did send in some feedback, um, uh, another email, uh, <laughs> perhaps with similar degree of nonsense or maybe even some real facts in it, um, please send it again or point me to where it is because I could not find it anyway. Uh, that side um I'll, I'll spin quickly to this one from nigel cliff a nice short one and then, I'll, and then we've got a follow-up from uh mr Duggle. um nigel writes in 
a friend of mine regularly goes to auctions has has started picking up boxes of film cameras for peanuts that she gets me to check out usually they just need new batteries so far i've been able to use a number of point and shoots plus minolta 700 si minolta 404 minolta x300 shinon cx and a mint shinon ce5 with winder and flash plus a few perfectly serviceable autofocus and manual focus lenses well worth the punt um so this is obviously following on from where people can get hold of cameras from and i'll mention about getting them from charity shops and uh, nigel here saying that the auction can be quite lucrative um i used to one of the local uh, antique places uh, which had various stores there was a guy there who quite clearly was doing exactly this he was going to an auction and just buying random boxes of cameras um uh and judging by what he had for sale at this antique space, it can be something of a crapshoot because there's a lot of stuff there that you pick up, look at and go, this just is broken. Um, so as long as you're paying very little money, I guess it's definitely worth a go. Um, the one thing Nigel doesn't mention in this is what his friend or himself do with these cameras. Hopefully he just sells them on. That seems like a sensible thing to do with all that stuff. <laughs> if you're hoarding that stuff, you're going to be sitting on a, a massive mountain of cameras you probably mm. never want to use. Um, I will also, seeing as it leads on perfectly... Really I was going to say, that leads us on quite well, yes. doesn't it? <laughs> to an email entitled, The Can of Worms. Uh, hi, Rachel. Yes, it is. <laughs> hi, Rachel. Alistair Dougal here, also hi, known as Alistair Dougal. <laughs> also, hello to the naughty schoolboys. Uh, that's aid. <laughs> so, how pleased was I to see the notification pop-up? And podcast notification pop-up. I was walking across the domain in Sydney, an open space, and as I pressed the play button, there was an almighty screech as two cockatoos flew overhead. This should have alerted me to the lurking danger within. <laughs> I really enjoyed the debate between you guys, as it allowed you to discuss both sides of the argument. This was, of course, the raison d'etre. Of course it was. It wasn't just to stir stuff up at all, Aster. What was curious was the messages I received of both love and hate to my rant. This was quite unexpected. I think the messages of love probably quite unexpected. This is clearly an interesting situation as it seems the majority of the comments are based on personality. Anil has a big following, so I felt like I asked the never asked question, does God exist? Maybe his mum was listening. To clarify my point, my conjecture was that we need more people actually shooting film to create a healthy environment for businesses to operate in. We don't need people walking around with old film cameras as handbag accessories that never see a roll of film or need a huge stockpile of film cameras gathering dust in cupboards. We need to get people out shooting film, even if this means we lose that special feeling of being one of the few. This obviously extends to printing our photos in darkrooms as well. I believe once we have a few larger community darkrooms, sorry, once we have a larger film community, then we will see more investment in film cameras and peripherals as there will be a bigger number of potential customers and less risk in the large investment needed to restart manufacturing. So I hope that clears up the reasons for my comments and may see a lessening of those love letters. <laughs> yeah, more hate please, less love clearly. To take a different direction, if I may, I've recently dusted off my grandmother's Agfa Optima sensor electronic camera and have put a few rolls through it. What a lovely camera, and as it's not too expensive. Uh, so before some nameless person has cornered the market, I would recommend both experienced or beginners go out and buy one. 
I do have six film cameras, which I use regularly. And when I run my film photography courses, I get the non-film camera owners to use them. This is when we see mm. the magic happen, as there is no instant gratification and they get very excited to see the results. This may be the root cause to why I want more people to have their own equipment. Mm. As always, please keep the good work up and don't be shy from um, don't shy away from the difficult subjects. There is always room on the pariah's perch if you annoy <laughs> too many people, <laughs> if that is not a contradiction. Uh, from Alistair, from the land where we are all feeling cold at 22 degrees. <laughs> Uh, and there's a quick PS. Just as a heads up, I have published an article on the Agfa Optima on my website, uh, Aspirational Photos, which you can find at aspirationalphotos.com. So uh, go there and check that out. This thing, because that is a camera I am completely unfamiliar with. It sounds oh. like it was probably a, a very late gen Agfa camera because they stopped making them a long time ago, didn't they? Mm, yes, I was going to say, it sounds like the kind of thing that you might have had actually, Graham, and I was going to ask if you if you knew more about it, but, um, but clearly mm. not, no. No, I think I only own one Agfa camera, I think, and it's actually one of the first cameras I ever bought in my early days of um, haunting eBay, and it's <laughs> a really cute little camera. It's an Agfa Select um really cute little uh 60s um sort of zone focus kind mm. of point and shoot deal uh and it's great and i shot a roll of through it um and it, <laughs> i had to the wind back set the um cog inside uh just i had to drag that film out of there kicking and screaming <laughs> got some quite nice pictures of it oh, that's but, good yeah yeah so um but that is the only actor I have experience of. Um, although there is in uh, in the aforementioned antique shops, they've got this little Agfa there uh, that looks like probably one of the earliest of that style of um, zone focus, uh, sort of very simple cameras where you could adjust the you could adjust the aperture and the shutter speed, but they mm. were in a very compact form. But this one was so old that it didn't take. Um, sort of modern film cassettes it's one of those ones where you had to kind of um put the film into a special thing onto a special oh. reel so that's very cool i haven't Gosh. bought it it's a camera i've seen and have not bought you've because... been very restrained then is yeah. this following on from our from our discussion with aid last week no it's more it's actually been in there for weeks and i saw it gosh i think i don't know a long long time ago months ago and it's more because it's like yeah that's nice but I don't know, need it. it. Mm. And I wouldn't shoot with it. And so I left it. So and then it becomes one of those ones that sits gathering dust otherwise at home, doesn't it? So, yeah. yeah. As opposed to gathering dust at that place, which is well, what yeah, is. But somebody else might walk in and, and that might be exactly the camera that they've been looking for. So, uh, yeah. Fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah. Do you want to read this next one, Rach? This one, the next one is entitled Mortified, Just Mortified with the appellative hoarder for collectors of fine vintage cameras <laughs> with a parts camera or two from John Vandenberg. <laughs> of course. Um, John says, every time I'm being totally honest and maybe in my cups, I can see that maybe if I had spent all the money I have spent in on all my cameras, I could have bought a Leica. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, what was the bit about, about the cups? Sorry, John. Drink, drinking, Rach, drinking. You did this. I know you know about it. Being in your cups is a, a um, I can't think of the word. The but it's for having a few drinks. Oh, really? It yeah. is not a phrase I've ever come across. That. Well, there you go. <laughs> Ironic. And it, very much so. Um, uh, anyway, he's saying. Uh, then I think about it a little more and realise that 
all of the camera um realized that all that camera love industrial design marketing etc would have to be lavished on that leica and then i'd be one of those people i love my cameras well most of them and use them too with only the occasional use of expletives i'm still looking for the camera and if i have a stable of cameras to walk with then i should have one that suits my mood and my ambition I think that there are still enough film cameras out there for the new-to-film people. Somebody has been beating me to all the charity shops of late, but that's good, as my stuff is worth more now, I think. If I hang on to mine just a little longer, they'll be worth more yet. Keep up the good works and beams. There we go. Um, sorry for for butchering the beginning part of uh, your email there, John. Um, let me read it again because I was a bit confused. Every time I'm being totally honest and maybe in my cups, I could see that maybe if I'd spent all the money I've spent on all my cameras, I could have bought a Leica. Okay. So he's he's kind of saying what Aid was saying to us, isn't he, last week, Graham? Yeah. That yeah. rather than spending all like the uh, £5 here or £10 there or 20 quid there, um save all of that up instead um and you uh, you know over the like three or four years or five or whatever you've been collecting cameras um or purchasing cameras i should say um that potentially that could add up to purchasing one one camera yeah that's yeah, a special camera yeah yeah so okay so here's a question for you rach okay if I, if somebody came up to you and said, Rach, if you give me all of your 35 millimeter cameras and in return you get this one Leica, um, this, I don't know, Leica M3 and the lens, would you do it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> See, financially, the yeah. answer should definitely be yes. Because like me. Yeah, but I don't you, care about that. I know, right? <laughs> I, I would just say, but I, I look at that go. I mean, no, that's <laughs> stupid. I know, right. I do of course I, I of course I care about it. Like that would be an amazing thing to to get and feel like, wow, I've got this this camera that's worth a lot of money because it's so beautiful and it's it's such a fantastic piece of engineering. And like I would just love to have something like that. That would be amazing. But what you're saying is I have to give up I have to give up all of my other 35 mil yeah. ones, like like my OM1 that I've just got, you know. Yeah. And and I know it's like, if you look at that, people go, but that's crazy. That's, you know, like 100 quid or, you know, whatever for for one of those. And, you know, what, £1,600 probably plus for, for the M3 and the lens and stuff. But uh, I, I, I still enjoy having the variety, like my my om1 my slrs will give me a different effect they'll give me a different image from the leica so yeah i don't know i don't know that's really hard hard, what would you say i mean i i've uh let's say i've got quite (laughs) you you know i've got quite a lot of cameras Mm. let's say some somewhere around 50 that might be a little conservative (laughs) at this point um and I, so I could make the choice to sell all of them. Mm-hmm. I could go, okay, I'm going to sell all of them and put that money towards a Leica. Despite the fact that I have that many cameras, I think if I sold all of my cameras, I probably still wouldn't have enough to buy a Leica. But oh, yeah, neither would I. <laughs> but, but, so let's let's take this magical thing where somebody just comes and goes, no, I'll just give you a Leica for all these. I, I don't think I would. I don't mm. think I would because I genuinely, the thing that um, 
John mentioned in this email about um, loving the industrial design of the cameras. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I love the feel of them. I love the, the stories that they all have to tell about yeah. where they were, you know, what part of the journey of photography they came from. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're, they're all unique, special snowflakes. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I said financially and sensibly, yes, Swapping them all for a like would be the practical thing to do, but um, since when? <laughs> since when is anything we've ever done based on practicality? Um, yeah. yeah, it's um, uh, no. Nah. So no, we're good. Thanks. Um, we might be able to like by pooling both of our <laughs> lots of cameras together. We might be able to buy like just the lens. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, maybe, but that's maybe, so bloody good, is it? Because we were to shoot it. Yeah, maybe we could just just get one camera and have it on timeshare and. <laughs> oh my god. Get, get a body and adapt a really old Russian lens to it just to horrify um people people. Uh, that would be wonderful. Yeah. I, I think if if I could keep one SLR and the Leica, then I'd be happy. I I could do that. I could definitely do that. Yeah. But I wouldn't want to get rid of all of my SLRs as well because and and just be left with the rangefinder I think is I think that's a difficulty yeah oh uh, yeah this, this my film babies I could you know even yeah. even all the random ones that are worth you know 25 pence like nah, but they're so cute oh, oh, that's okay <laughs> I think I could I think I could deal with that although that means that I'd have to get rid of my undo you know my beautiful wooden undo you know <laughs> mm, it's tough <laughs> Okay, well, we're not getting through any more of these emails, are we? Because no, we're we just going to sit here thinking about this all night now. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, well, here's some good news for us, Rachel. So this next one, uh, uh, so the username here I've got is Sialist, uh, which Ooh. is a, a good word, um, uh, but I also have the name of Ian. So uh, this email from Ian, um, following on again from the show. Thanks for the excellent podcast on hoarding, or not. Topically, it was right on the money, as it's often acknowledged these days that hoarding is the likely route, good or bad, to a new film camera going into large-scale production and being sustainably achieved. Scarcity, 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 where nope. all the tough guys live. Um, <laughs> scarcity leads to rising prices of used stocks. Rising prices. Using rising prices of used stocks. And it becomes economically viable. Um, hoarding is often seen as a bad thing, and it certainly can be. But being cynical for a minute, it might be our saviour. The alternative, of course, is to collect them all up and stick them in a landfill. Mm. What do you do? I Now, that is a take that I really hadn't thought of. The fact that by taking cameras out of the market and depriving people of them, you are, of course, creating a demand for, you know, so that's it something we hadn't considered but yeah i think it would have to be so extreme though in order for it to actually come to that point you're right i need to buy more cameras to make <laughs> new cameras be made um that wasn't is... really what i was trying to say i'm sure it's gonna kill me <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah but yeah um, <clears throat> um do you want to take another one following up on the whole <laughs> hoarding scenario from, from mr fraser yule that's right. So Fraser uh, gets in touch to say, evening all. Um, well, what can I say? After listening to the last Sunny 16, I feel dirty and ashamed of myself. We, we aim to please. <laughs> um, I drove home the other night listening to the podcast and thinking I'm guilty of hoarding cameras that others should could be using. My drive from the office in Gloucester to Scotland is usually a happy drive. <laughs> oh, God. Um, well, as much as it can be when on the M6, I 
yeah, um, I feel your pain there, Fraser. Um, reflecting on the week past and looking forward to the family and the weekend's activities. If this gets read out and you're listening, Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Y, Mrs. Yule, uh, please note the order. Ah, oh, that's sweet. Um, it didn't help that work had been so busy and no cameras were even debagged this week, which makes me feel worse about it all. In the past couple of weeks, I've sold a few cameras, but after listening to what was I th- um, a thought-provoking conversation, I did have a long, hard think about things. Yes, I've stopped buying cameras and have started selling slash getting rid of some of them, but I do need to do more. I have a core of cameras that I use regularly, Bronica ETRSI, the RZ67 and my Fuji GA645 and 690 plus my Nikon 35mm. And the rest seem to sit on a shelf looking fancy and possibly feeling a bit bored. They need to be used. That was in capital letters. Um. I will find it hard to sell some of them, but I think they need to go. It seems I'm generally a medium format person, so why keep another 15 to 20, 35 mil cameras? Goodness, yeah. Mm. Um, thanks for a genuinely eye-opening podcast. It has made me reflect on things and, pardoning the pun, focus a bit more on the equipment that I use. Um, let's lose the rest, and as a benef- added benefit, I may be able to get out of the house quicker without having to think about which camera to take before inevitably picking up the Bronny and the F3, as usual. Okay, cameras, uh, which of you wants to take a walk first? <laughs> oh, God, it sounds like it sent them off the gangplank there, doesn't it? <laughs> Thanks for your help to cure- curing my gas, guys. As ever, keep up the great work. Cheers from Fraser. Oh, I feel equally like I'm super proud of him for, like, for doing this and super guilty for making him feel so bad and sad <laughs> yeah be, uh, but mind you in this case fraser is in a, a slightly different situation to you and i because if you look at the cameras that he lists there so he's got his bronica etrsi the rz67 uh, the fuji ga645 and the 690 so just there mm-hmm. one you've got a lot of big nice medium format cameras oh, you also you've got a lot of money tied up he could yeah. sell his cameras and buy a Leica, uh, or better idea, he could sell his cameras and buy yeah. us a Leica. So maybe do that, Fraser. <laughs> um, but... um, uh, well, yeah, it, if he says he's got 15 to 20, 35 mil cameras sitting there, which presumably are not all different Nikons, maybe there's a whole range of them. Maybe Nikon's the one that he should hang on to if he's got you know enough glass for that anyway, and the rest of them perhaps you know yeah he could he could sell those and uh and, and narrow that down that bit couldn't he mm. yeah absolutely right uh <clears throat> we will finish up the main yes. block of uh emails as like i said there's a few more to come following on from our podcast but you will uh yeah we'll get there in a second anyway as promised a bookend by uh, jeremy north finishing as we started bless me sonnies for i have sinned it's been a week since my last submission <laughs> um I will continue where I left off. It's like he barely draws breath. Uh, and there's a link to the exhibition he spoke of, which is um, www.thechapelarts.com forward slash Cheltenham dash folk. Um, so e- go and have a look at that because it sounds like it's quite cool thing mm. to go and see, especially if you're into street photography. In my last which you missive, need your Leica. <laughs> for which you do need your Leica. Um, in my last missive, I didn't say that I gave Steve my phone number in case he fancied a photo walk. Blow me down. He did contact me. So we met up yesterday and had a great day in town. There was another anti-Brexit march. This, I think, is the third one, which is pretty good going. You know, 
doesn't seem to be that popular. It's as surprising as yeah. a thing we're doing, given all these anti-Brexit marches. <laughs> um, with entertainment surprise supplied by a Boris lookalike. He was very funny and sang some satirical songs. Using Boots one hour service, I got my prints and a disc while still in town. I'll put some up on Facebook and Twitter. I told him about the podcast. Of course, he loves the logo, by the way. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much, Anil, for our lovely logo. Um, I wish we still had Boots one hour in my local town. Um, Oh, yeah, that's so sad. Because I I obviously go to my Max Billman because I can get them in like 20 minutes, um, uh, half an hour or whatever. And, uh, yeah, they're lovely. So, um, yeah, shout out to them. Goodbye, (laughs) Kanj. Yeah, that's really sad. It's just, a, I mean, I can still take film there and they'll send it away to be done, but like yeah. it's, it's expensive and it's time consuming, but it was just great to go, oh, I need these <laughs> pictures and I need them now. Um, it's, it is a missed thing. Anyway, continuing. On my way home, I popped into the gallery again as I wanted another copy of the portfolio. By the way, it superbly presented A3 size, but not stapled, so the folded A2 leaves can be taken out. There was another young bloke looking after it this time. He's here studying photojournalism. As he's from Liverpool, I told him about Rex <laughs> and her projects. Anyway, he's mad for film and street photography. It blew my mind when he told me he shoots large format in the streets. Not only that, but it's wet plate collodion. I asked him how he did that, as they have to be processed when still wet. He does it there and then, as he has all the kit in a trolley. Mm-hmm. Um, incredible. I looked at his Instagram where there are many lovely photos. Some of them I saw were liked and commented on by the fabulous Lena Bessanova. Um, the Instagram, which I definitely want to go and look at now of this uh, young gentleman, is uh, G. Walsh Photography. Somebody doing street photography with large format wet plate collodion, Rach. <laughs> That's wonderful and bonkers. Yeah, uh, I super need to cool. See he wants to meet up with me to do some photography to think that a few days ago I had no photo buddies in Cheltenham and now I have two. I hope you watched the excellent Don McCullin doc on TV recently. It's no longer on. I'm getting quite excited in anticipation of the big meetup on Saturday. Further to the PS message I sent you a couple of weeks ago, I'm going to bring some stuff to give away. I'd like it to go to Sunny 16 listeners, but anything left over, I'll donate to the disabled photographers. It will be when I get there, so I don't have to carry it around for hours. Um, So I did mention that there was a PS, uh, and I didn't then come to it. So I will just quickly, this this is more for anybody who's coming to the show, but... um, Jeremy has got, in his words, a Graflex speed graphic camera, 4x5, which he'd like to donate to a good home. It would be a good project for a pinhole or to perhaps put a lens on. Um, So I think we're trying to figure out a way that he could decide who to give it to if multiple people want it. Um, So if any of you would like it, then it's yours, or perhaps we can make a little giveaway competition. Uh, One of the things Jeremy did suggest is that maybe we could make a wordplay or anagram challenge and the best answer wins. Um, He said the camera's a bit tatty, but it has got new ground glass, which I fitted, and the shutter works, Bellow seem okay. So a bit of a project thing. So if this sounds appealing to you and you are coming to the photography show, um, I don't know, (laughs) do some fun anagram. What what words should we use for the anagram? I mean, it's Sunday 16 podcast. That should be a thing somebody should anagram something from, right, Rach? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah there you definitely. go. See, see what you can do as an anagram with the Sunny 16 podcast uh, to be in a chance with getting hold of uh, Jeremy's ragged uh, speed graphic. Um, I would suggest that we can, you can add in like our names as well, perhaps to that to give a few extra letters. That might be fun. Yeah, yeah. See what you want with listeners. Yeah. Um, amaze us with your talent if you're going to the show of, of Wordsmithry. I know some people are really into <laughs> anagrams. Um, uh, but, 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 anyway, just to finish up, regarding the point-and-shoot camera chat that's gone on for the last couple of shows, I don't see what all the fuss is about. If Anil wants to hoard a lot, then then good for him. Regarding the silly prices some of them are selling for, yes, it's a pity, but that's market forces at work. No one is being forced to buy them. One thing which is not helping the analog photography, though, is people buying secondhand film rather than from retailers. I think that's all for now. So I'll sign off and see you all soon. Um, I don't think that that's much of a thing anymore. Do you rate secondhand film? I guess he means like expired film. Yeah. I, I don't yeah yeah I think I think there's definitely um because I mean just over the last year we've had so many new emulsions come to market um you know and if you if you look at um the online uh, film stockists like retailers um who are sort of like stocking all of these now um it gives you a sense of how much is actually out there so I think because because we have that choice and those options now, um, people are you are generally probably shooting less expired film. I mean, there might still be the odd role that you get if you happen to find that camera in the charity shop, you know, that comes in the bag and you go, oh, there's an old roll of film in here as well. Um, but I think in general, people are tending to buy it fresh more often now. Um, and I was always hoping to try and do it so that for any expired rolls of film that I get donated to or find in a bag in the charity shop or whatever, um, that I try to also go to the retailers and buy one in response to that, like a fresh roll, mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that it's still putting money back into the industry rather than just relying on expired film. Because expired film can give you some really funky, cool like effects and things. And obviously, it's it's definitely like potluck as to what what's going to happen with them. Um, uh, but yeah, it's um, I think it's important to create that level of. Um, uh, sustainability within the economy itself so <clears throat> just going and, and purchasing you know a roll of cosmo photo or something um or you know a, a block of hp5 uh, at the photography show or something it all helps uh doesn't it because it's then going back into the industry yeah <clears throat> it does it does and like I, said, I think in general these days the sale of um old expired film is diminishing slightly probably one because you know, the amount out there is slowly being whittled away and, and two because financially it's not really any cheaper than buying most new films so unless you want expired film for a particular look and a particular project then it's probably not going to be cost effective but also if you know if you've got old film if you've got film that you want to sell and, and or you you see someone who's selling some stuff you, oh, I, I want to try that I missed it there's none of that film around that's fine but you know I, I'd like to, I don't think anybody these days is can realistically be buying um secondhand film as a way to save money very much but um if you do it because you want to try out films that have gone you want to, you know you may have missed or because you like the look you get from expired film then that's absolutely fine and if you want to sell your film that's also absolutely fine that was <laughs> jeremy he's just a grump um on the show last week i said 
and it would be very helpful if people would help me because I've got a talk coming up oh, this yes. Wednesday, mm. um, which I have not prepared for at all yet. But it's all right. It's Sunday. I have two whole days left to do it. Um, so I said I would really appreciate it if people could get in touch and let me know why they shoot film and why it's important to them. And some of you guys did. And it's wonderful and fantastic. So I thought it'd be nice to share some of the things that have come up from that. So, um, Rach, do you want to take this first one from Matt Jones? Lovely. Yes. Um, so these are all the bits of advice where you you put out the, the call to action for listeners um, to send you a few words about why they shoot film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Excellent. So Matt says, any plonker with a mobile phone can walk around and take a thousand digital photos. Then by sheer dumb luck and the law of probability, that plonker can find one decent and interesting image, which he can pass through numerous apps on his phone and post on Facebook to rapturous applause and platitude. Stand out from the battlefield of megapixel versus megapixel and post some truly inspired, well-composed film photos with no digital doctoring and earn respect or credibility. Failing that... Anyone got anyone? Anyone got anyone got any old film cameras you want to offload? Oh, sorry. Failing that. Has anyone got any old film cameras you want to offload? Well, wishes from Thailand. There we go. That's from Matt. I think that seems um, like a nice, succinct little uh, little bit of advice there. It certainly does. It certainly does. Uh, continuing with the Australian theme, um, we have got an email here from Terry Alderman, uh, an email which I love for, for many reasons. Um, it, the email goes... G'day Sunbeams. You see, we already know he's definitely Australian. Since retiring from my professional sporting career, my life has been focused on coaching the young cricketing generations of the world. It gives me great pleasure to play an instrumental role in getting kids out of the house, away from their digital lives and onto a sports field. Analog photography can play the same role. You can partake in a hobby that gets you out in nature and leave all those digital screens behind. Don't be a square-eyed nong shoot film it's cool love terry now for a start the sentence don't be a square-eyed nong shoot film it's cool is magnificent we've never had a catchphrase on this podcast but if we did that would be it because that's wonderful um also uh terry is like a bona fide like international cricketer this is the man who has been doing sports at the it's just fantastic we've got a proper celeb getting in touch who's out there you know, this is a genuine celeb shooting a film as far as i'm concerned terry Alderman is a genuine celeb not like all those superheroes who seem to need cameras um this is a genuine celeb so um that's really cool and i i love his take on it um that th that thing of getting kids engaged with something that isn't screen-based is really hard to do <laughs> as somebody with a 10 and a 12 year old boy uh getting them to be doing anything that is not either in front of a playstation or in front of their ipad or in front of the switch or whatever it is at the time is incredibly difficult um so yes whether it's through sports or photography or music or whatever it is that you can get them interested in something else uh it's hugely important um so thanks for that terry that's wonderful uh Rach, do you want to take mm. this next one from Kevin Lane from Uncle Jonesy's Camera? Yes. Um, Graham, this is Kevin Lane from the Uncle Jonesy's Cameras podcast, and I would like to help you out regarding your upcoming camera club talk with a comment on why I shoot film. I returned to using my film cameras two years ago after a frustrating experience trying to use my midline digital point-and-shoot camera to photograph children playing in a jumping gym for my elementary school's yearbook. I am the music teacher there. 
The shot and lag and the low range flash caused me to miss nearly every action shot I was trying to get. I remember thinking to myself, if I were using one of my film SLRs, which at the time were languishing in my closet, I would know exactly how to get these photographs. Yes, there was a lot of digital photography about, which I was ignorant, but film cameras I knew. At the same time, I learned that one could indeed develop colour negatives at home with a $20 kit that would process 20 rolls, a dollar per roll. That made a lot of sense to me, not to mention the fun I I have been having with the hands-on experience of shooting my beloved vintage cameras, but also doing the processing myself. I should also mention that I love the look of film, just as I did back in the days when I started in photography and film was the only option. Hope you can use some of or all of this. I really enjoy your podcast and never miss a show. Happy shooting from Kevin Lane. Isn't that lovely? Thank That's, you, Kevin. That's really yeah, nice. Yeah. And um, yeah, I completely agree with all your points as well. There is just something about all that hands-on stuff that uh, is just magical. Um, Kevin and his brother, Kelly Lane, um, they do, as it says in the email, uh, a podcast, Uncle Jonesy's podcast. I think they started back uh, early-ish last year um, and they're up to episode 11 now. I have not had a chance to listen yet, but I absolutely need to because two brothers are doing a podcast together. Mm. I think you're going to get a very different vibe from that. Um, I know they're out in the state, mm. so I'll definitely be checking out. Um, if you go to unclejonesyscamera.blogspot.com, you'll find all their stuff there. So go and have a go and check them out and have a listen, guys. I know if my brother and I did a podcast, <laughs> it would be carnage. It would be absolute <laughs> carnage. <laughs> I love my brother very dearly, but things always go very sideways when we're together. So uh, maybe one day. (laughs) Every now and again, he comments on posts on Instagram, um, but nobody knows that it's my brother. So you just get this person being a complete arsehole in the comments. And it's like, it's fine. It's family. Uh, It's fine. It's family. Yeah. Um, Yeah. A quick one here from Rory Pryor, again, regarding this. On the topic of camera club talks, I've now given about three analogue photography talks since 2017, documenting my return to film. The slides of which can be found on the club's website below. Feel free to plagiarise or otherwise pinch anything that might be useful. This is wonderful. Thank you, Rory. I will absolutely it? Yeah. yeah, he goes on to say, I've got some amazing freebies through my club, including most of my darkroom setup, enlarger, easel, safe light, etc. Loads of Ilford paper, films, and an Olympus Mu One. So good luck on that front. I mean, obviously, that's not why I'm doing this. But I mean, you know, if these things happen, hey, listen, I'm just a conduit. And that's from Rory Pryor, who you can find at um, www.lightpriority.net. Uh, and I think the last one of these is from our good friend, Hilary Rage. Hilary, let's hope, fingers crossed, fingers crossed, because last year at the photography show, it snowed, as we know. Um, and it meant that Hilary couldn't join us. So I'm keeping everything crossed that she's able to, to join us this year. Uh, she sent me a message saying as much um, herself anyway. Um, so Hilary has also emailed in about this and says, you asked why people take film instead of digital for your talk to your camera group. Hope it's not too late to reply. In my case, one of the things I love is the tradition and link to the past, especially with my dad and great uncle who were avid photographers. I never really got the chance to talk to my dad about photography when he was using a tent in the loft as a darkroom. I just thought the whole process was weird and paid no attention. Uh, How I wish now that I'd followed him up the ladder and learned about it properly. When I became interested in photography, he'd become too frail to remember what he'd done. So his collection means a lot to me, as do his slides. Just bought a slide projector so I can bore the family with slide nights. That sounds amazing. Um, 
she says also i like the unexpectedness of the final product i suppose if i were more skilled it wouldn't be so unexpected (laughs) but for now at least i'm never sure what i'm getting i like the grain and the blur if i wanted perfection i'd take digital which i do from time to time hope your talk goes down a storm best wishes from hillary that's amazing (laughs) yeah and it's lovely i in each of those things, very different reasons that mm. everybody has given there for why they're shooting film. Um, and that's what I love about this hobby is we're all here for a multitude, but oh, for different reasons. And we all get so much from it. Um, so that will be very useful for me to try and convince these people that they should pick up a film camera and have a go with it. Um that is it for emails this week we have uh some coffee thanks to give out um first off to a couple of people who have um newly donated this week the first one is friend of the show mark jimmy hickford who we are going to be seeing next week at the photography show which i'm very much looking forward to you can find jimmy primarily on twitter where he's very active at jimmy shoots film um shares lots of lovely pictures um Lots of good conversations with Jimmy, so definitely worth checking out. Uh, also, want to say a big thank you to Colin Cameron. Um, I was unable to find Colin any social stuff for Colin. Um, so, if you do um, share on uh, coffee with us and you do have social links, put them in there. It makes life way easier for me. Um, Colin may just not want us to do that, but anyway, thank you very much, Colin. It is huge. Colin may not want us to track him down, but. <laughs> But we will. We will find you. Well, we'll try. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But thank you so much to those guys. It's hugely appreciated. Also, got a lot of thanks. Now, I threatened that I would do this. There is going to be a lot of making things up very quickly as I go along. (laughs) So brace yourself. Facts. In inverted commas, yes. These these are facts. Um, uh, So this is, I was going to say thank you to, these are all the people who are making recurring donations. So I'm going to have to make sure I don't repeat these facts month on month. Um, so you read the names, Rachel, and mm. I'll give a fact that I definitely won't make up on the spot. Okay, okay. Don't blame me, guys, if uh, if these facts are... Yeah, I have nothing to do with the facts side of things. So, names as follows. Sam Cornwell. Uh, Sam Cornwell uh, of Solacan, of course. Uh, his secret plan is that he actually wants to hollow out the moon put a hole in it and turn it into the largest pinhole camera ever. Uh, that is his plan. So um, okay. don't, don't trust Sam, is what I'm saying. Uh, Duncan Gammon. Duncan Gammon, uh, ironically, hates pork uh, after he was bitten by a pig at a very young age. Oh, my God. Um, I'm, I'm having misgivings about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, James Thorpe. Uh, James Thorpe. Uh, his uncle... Uh, was a well-known uh, highwayman, <laughs> uh, but sadly very unsuccessful, as, of course, it was the uh, 1970s, and being a highwayman on a horse at that time was very impractical. Um, Martin Smith. Uh, Martin Smith. Uh, the reason he has started photowalk.me up is because he actually owns shares in a shoe company, and he just wants people to walk more <laughs> and wear their shoe leather out, so he makes more money. Um, Jayabat Uh, Jayabat uh, the reason he's so fond of street photography is because um, he hates going home because his home has been taken over by cats he he had one cat of his own then that cat invited a friend and then that cat invited a friend didn't know how this goes and now his apartment basically is just stuffed the gunnels of cats Um, so he just can't go home anymore so he just walks the streets and takes pictures 
Uh huh. Um, Hillary Clark. Uh, Hillary Clark actually caused the snow last year at the photography <laughs> show. Uh, she just couldn't face the idea of seeing us, so she did some uh, dark magic and caused up the snowstorm just to avoid having to deal with us. Uh, Christoph. Uh, Christoph, Christoph's middle name, which he never speaks of, is uh, Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> um, but it's not after the fairy tale. This is actually a family name, um, so people shouldn't mock him for it. But that is that is his middle name. Ed Worthington. Uh, Ed Worthington. Now, his um, online name is the Six Million P Man uh, after he was rebuilt for substantially less money um, than the Six Million Dollar Man. Um, but uh, what, what he doesn't like to talk about is that most of that money went on uh, actually giving him one very particular bionic appendage, um, which we unfortunately can't refer to on the show. <laughs> Use your own imagination. Uh, uh, <laughs> Slavic. Thank Slavic you. Harbor. Yes. Uh, Slavic Harbor. Actually. Slavic. Uh, his beard is not just for its pure aesthetic beauty. It is actually used as a home for a small, small family uh, of borrowers. They live in there. It's very warm and they are very happy in there. Do you know, funnily enough, um, a friend of mine has written a children's book called Bob's Beard and it's about that very thing. There you go. So basically what you're saying <laughs> is your friend has written Slavic's biography. That's, uh, that's Faye Evans. She's a, a children's author and uh, yeah, she's written a book called Bob's Beard and it's about a family of animals that live in Bob's Beard. He's a giant. He's very cool. Um uh bill thu uh bill thu um he seems very mild-mannered but he's actually a part-time ninja uh and <laughs> at weekends and evenings he will be out doing ninja work um you can pay him if you need anybody <laughs> nin- ninja in particular <laughs> uh chris Mayner. uh, <laughs> uh Chris, Chris uh, or called the facts about Chris, the, the facts about Chris, there are so many of them and it's knowing which one to pick. Uh, Chris Mina, he's into photography now, but only because um, he twisted his back on the uh, pro golfing circuit, which is actually where he spent most of the last few years. Um, he was actually a pro golfer for many, many years um, and was going to be, uh, let's say, Tiger Woods, because that's the golf name. <laughs> gonna, but then he twisted his back, which is why he now has to shoot film. Um, but yeah, that's that's Chris's uh, past. <laughs> Okay. Uh Fraser, no, don't worry guys, we're nearly done. Um <laughs> Fraser Yule. Until next month. <laughs> Fraser Yule. Uh Fraser Yule, as we found earlier, frequently drives between Gloucester and Scotland. Um and that's not because he has to. Uh, it's because he's very, very forgetful. Um, and so he should just be going up there once and staying up there. But he keeps forgetting something. So he has to keep coming back. Going, oh, I left my wallet behind. He goes back, back up again. Oh, no, now I forgot. to. Um, that's why he's doing so many miles on the motorway. He has chronic forgetfulness. And uh, last but not least, Harry Thackeray. Uh, Harry Thackeray. Um, <laughs> Harry Thackeray. Well, again, what can we say about Harry Thackeray? Uh, the most notable thing, I mean, uh, there are many notable things about Harry, but one of the things which has most recently been hitting the headlines that his dog uh, can actually sing not our national anthem, but the Canadian national anthem. Uh, he knows literally all the verses. And there are a lot of verses in the Canadian national anthem. His dog knows all of them. It's pretty incredible. Look it up, listeners. <laughs> Oh my goodness. You're so ridiculous. I'm going to have to ask you to like cut all of this at the end. <laughs> Look forward to more facts next month. <laughs>
This is what anybody who makes a recurring donation can look forward to is having a fact about themselves <laughs> shared on the internet. Mm. Uh, yes. Um, so I'm actually going off to Berlin to do some um, training with people talking about fake news uh, <laughs> next week. So uh, this is a, an interesting start to my week. <laughs> I don't um, know what you're talking about, yeah. Rachel. These are, uh, all, these are all facts about these people. I spent uh -huh. Not at all slanderous. Good. Not at all slanderous. Do you have any idea how many hours worth of research I've had to do to find these facts out? I can't believe mm -hmm. you're slamming me like that. Just just um, before uh, we finish up, uh, because I've I've seen in the show notes that you've given us the, the little slogan here. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's actually, I, I had a little look at Urban Dictionary to see what it said. <laughs> it says, in Australian slang... Nong is used as a pretty mild and or endearing insult. A bit of a twit or idiot. N uh, nothing yes. too mean or horrid is meant by calling someone a Nong, apparently. You know what? I think Australia probably has the world's largest collection of words which basically mean a bit of a, <laughs> a, bit of a twit. <laughs> you plonker, you drongo, <laughs> etc. <laughs> Australia is great for that. These are wonderful language for uh, mild insults. So, um, yeah, perfect. Absolutely perfect. So this is the update on um, Shoot Film Be Nice. Um, you've decided to uh, appropriate the uh, the slogan, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. That's going to be our sign up for this week. But we, before we do that, um, we just need to, what do we, is there anything else we need to remember about Rach before we get out yes. of here? Yes, we need to remember that to tell people that it's obviously the photography show um, uh, on Saturday this week. Um, so it, it opens on Saturday. It's actually open Saturday, Sunday, Monday and Tuesday. And Saturday, the 16th of March, opening day, um, we will be doing the Mega Analog Meetup. That's correct, isn't it, Graham? It's um, At uh, 11 a.m. we'll be meeting at uh, the front of the show uh, in the sort of like general pen area where they tend to cordon off photographers <laughs> um, before you go into the, the actual show itself. So you've kind of gone through your ticket, you showed your ticket uh, and then there's a sort of like general milling area. So 11am uh, we'll be there to meet up with you all. Um, I'm going to try and not be in a stressy panic Um <laughs> I will try. I promise I will try not to be. Um, I will be there and then I will be heading off at about 12 to get set up ready um, to deliver the first lot of um, demonstrations because I'm doing pop-up demonstrations um, in the morning, 12.30 to 1.30. <clears throat> well, that's actually afternoon, isn't it? 12.30 uh, to 1.30 and then a little bit of a break for lunch. And then uh, 2.30 to 4.30, I will um, also have uh, Rose Team B from the RPS um, joining me uh, to um, uh, deliver a presentation and talk through uh, some lovely historical facts on Anna Atkins. So Anna Atkins was um, uh, sometimes called uh, the uh, first fee uh, first photographer, um, sorry, <clears throat> uh, photographic pioneer and um, the first person to create a photographic book. And uh, she's also a woman who happens to be celebrating her 220th anniversary um, birthday um, on the 16th itself, 16th of March. So that's very exciting. Um, Leah Elm, uh, who is at All About Ella, will be um, joining as my assistant. So I'm really looking forward to having Leah there helping as well. Um, yeah, we'll be doing pop-up um, cyanotype uh, some print workshop demos um during the day so that would be really exciting i hope you guys can all come and find us we're going to be on stand f73 we now have the numbers so that's good um so you'll know where we'll be 
and drop in between those times uh, just to you know come and have a chat or uh, keep me company or buy an analog adventure kit if you like I will have some of those there too which will be nice so really looking forward to seeing everybody at that after the show's finished I think it finishes at five um, I think we're going to be having uh, just sort of like a little bit of uh, food or, and some drinks and things uh, and another little evening catch up for for people if they if they want to join us for that that'd be lovely too um, and Can you remember uh, where that is Rach that's going to be it's going to be on the site but not actually within the NEC because obviously that the photography show itself will shut about five it's called resort world is um the place sort of on the estate for one of a better word i think uh, i haven't been myself before but i believe it's not too far away it's on it you know it's on the same sort of site um it's called resort world so we'll be going there for some drinks and catch-ups and chats and and general recovery um and i'll probably be in a little heap on the floor by that point <laughs> pretty pretty exhausted but um yeah that's what we'll be doing so uh yeah be lovely to see you all there and i'm just going to check the date very quickly what date is it it's the 10th right so uh, until the 13th you can still use the um uh, discount code which is lvptps19 to get 20 percent off your full price tickets for the photography show so yeah yeah uh but can't wait to see everybody who's coming next week and everybody who can't make it, who can't be there because of uh, whatever reason, because you're not in this country or you're busy or whatever. We promise we will do our best to share as much of the fun of being there as we can to talk to as many people. I'm really hoping to find some time to talk to Rose whilst we're there. Rach, you need to mm-hmm. kind of get that sorted so we can talk to Rose. Absolutely. Um, well, we've got the recorder now, haven't we? We have recorded, yeah. Um, but we're going to try and talk to as many people who are there for business, people who are there for fun, just, you know, get a good feel of it so we can share that with you guys next week um on thursday this week we are i say we um aid nice sadly rachel wasn't able to make it but uh, are chatting to a uh, mr bellamy hunt or the japan camera hunter we had a conversation with him yesterday so uh, i can say with sincerity that's who we're talking to this <laughs> week um for a short but interesting chat with bellamy um which is great because we haven't spoken to him since uh, before Christmas last year, or before the previous year, so it's been a long, long time. It has so. been quite a long time, actually, hasn't it? Um, and I have been on one show with with Bellamy at the same yeah. time, uh, but I've sort of seemed to have missed him in between. So I'm glad that you guys got a chance to have a chat with him. Unfortunately, I was, I was busy prepping and and things, and obviously it was um, also International Women's Day and and things. So um, lots of other stuff happening. Unfortunately, man, I couldn't I couldn't actually be there. Um, I happened to be out filming some um, women creating music um, as part of a banging pans project. So uh, it was encouraging young women and girls to into into music. So I was busy filming that, but it sounds because obviously we have the the drive. So I have had a little listen to the start of the show uh, for Thursday. It sounds great, and I'm really glad you got chat to him. Yeah, it's nice. He's a bit of an elusive character, Bellamy, because he's a very busy man. Um, so it was great spending an hour catching up with him. Um, so that will be out on Thursday. As mm-hmm. I said, we will have something for you next week. I <laughs> don't know what it's going to be. It's going to be chaos. Hopefully, we will have something out on Sunday. But it's possible we might not, because whatever we come back with from the um, photography show is going to need a buttload of editing before it's usable. So, um, but bear with 
we will get stuff out as quickly as you can. If you can find somebody who can do some uh, stories on the day, maybe we'll try and do that. It won't be me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, and I'm going to be busy demoing. So, uh, yeah, we, we'll see how things go, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but um, keep an eye on social media. for. We'll share as much stuff we can from that. And uh, we will be back speaking to you again soon, dear listeners. Yes. Um, but until then, uh, in the immortal worlds of former Australian international cricketer Terry Alderman, don't be a square-eyed nong. Shoot film. It's cool. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Our poor listeners. Our poor donations. <laughs>